Home care is a type of business you hear a lot about in our world of buying small businesses. On Biz Buy Sell, you'll see home care agencies for sale. There's private equity and roll-up activity in the industry. Well, today's guest, Jerome Bouillon, provides a window into these businesses and explains how he doubled the one that he bought over the course of five years, though he thinks he could have done so faster. There are a few obvious characteristics to home care that are attractive to business buyers. Demographic tailwinds, which is a fancy way of saying that the population is aging, so the demand for these services will increase. Recurring revenue, since many customers have an ongoing need for care. And they're super asset light, since these businesses really just need people to run. But beyond these reasons to like this industry, Jerome and I spend time on the other big draw, the why. Home care is about caring for people, usually elderly, who are vulnerable, maybe alone, helping such people directly and also often helping their families who can't themselves deliver the necessary care. And so it attracts people who are in it to care for other people, and that is beautiful. So if you are motivated by this industry's why, caring for elderly people, then it seems like a wonderful opportunity, and I encourage you to look into it. Because when good business dynamics and purpose align, great things can result. Here is Jerome Bouillon to tell us about buying a business in home care. Welcome to Acquiring Minds, a podcast about buying businesses. My name is Will Smith. Acquiring an existing business is an awesome opportunity for many entrepreneurs, and on this podcast, I talk to the people who do it. August Felker is a two-time successful searcher, first with a traditional search fund, the second time around he did a self-funded search. Today, August runs Oberly Risk Strategies, an insurance firm with a dedicated practice group for searchers and acquisition entrepreneurs like you. If you've got a business under LOI, Oberly will provide complimentary due diligence on that business's insurance and benefits program. A great no-risk way to get to know August and team. They love helping searchers. They've worked with hundreds. Oberly is a specialty insurance brokerage for searchers by a former searcher. Check out oberly-risk.com, O-B-E-R-L-E hyphen risk.com, link in the show notes. Jerome Bouillon, welcome to Acquiring Minds. Hi, Will. Good afternoon. Happy to be there. Thanks for what you're doing for all of us, business owners. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Jerome, you bought a home care agency in Asheville, North Carolina. You were recently to the area, having moved with your family from Florida. Today, that business operates smoothly, mostly on its own. And you've acquired another location in Lenore, North Carolina, about an hour away. Both of these locations are part of the Visiting Angels franchise. So we've got a lot of ground to cover. Your interesting story, how and why you bought these particular businesses, the world of home care, which is one we hear about a lot in this space, and of course, franchising. So let's start with your interesting story, Jerome. Can you start us off with a little background, please? Well, as your listener will hear, I am French, so uh, I hope you have subtitles somewhere for some of y'all. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I moved in the U.S. in 2000, it's 10 years now, actually this year will be 10 years, in 2013. Uh, prior to being in the U.S., I used to be in, uh, in France and in Belgium and in the U.K., uh, I used to do banking, uh, and 2008, 2010 was big banking crisis, and I was made redundant and looking for jobs in Europe and couldn't find anything. So my wife, who has an American passport, said, let's go explore my American roots, and we, we moved to the U.S. Okay, Jerome, so what year is it now that you guys land in Asheville, and how old are you in this, at this moment, if you don't mind? Uh, 49 years old, 2017. Okay. And you, the concept of buying a business is obviously not new to you. You were a business broker for a while and you come from the world of banking. So you're probably sophisticated in the worlds of, uh, in the world of buying and selling businesses and the possibilities there. 
Um, but how, how is it that you decide that that's what you want to do to buy a business in Asheville? Buying a business is, I mean, professionally, I've always been a bit, uh, some people call it, I don't know if it's a word in American, intrapreneur, you know, trying to, entre mm -hmm. uh, from inside the business, I always wanted to yep. provide value to my different employer. The problem when you have this attitude is sometimes you, you kind of want to run the show and not be run. <laughs> so uh, I think it was, I should have actually bought a business way before uh, my 50th birthday. But I was scared. I mean, it, it's scary, it's stressful, you know, you... I'm originally French, uh, English is not my first language. Uh, so, you know, it's kind of somewhere. But, you know, being an entrepreneur is basically jumping out of, a, of, the, of the plane with someone catching you with a parachute and you say, hey, uh, you know, uh, at the grace of God or inshallah or whatever, <laughs> and just <laughs> pray for the best and hope that you fall right, right? So that's... That's what it is about. So I, I decided to get the plunge. Uh, so I called call, uh, in that industry because that's where I wanted to be. And found a guy who wanted to sell and make a deal and move on. So you decide then that you want to be in the home care space and you start cold calling around home care businesses yep. in Asheville. So mm -hmm. I assume at, at this point you haven't been plugged into the world of search or read buy then build. I mean, I'm not even sure it was published in 2017 or well, I think it was right. No around. idea. This is just you do following your own nose. Yeah. I was just at SM bash, the small business conference this weekend. And there was a, there was a panel discussion about how to approach owners when you're interested in having a conversation about buying their business, because it is kind of hard to walk in the front door and say, Hey, can I talk to the boss? Cause I want to buy this business. Uh, or maybe I want to buy this business. So what, what, what did, what did your script look like when you were cold calling around? Well, I am French, so politically correct is not in my nature. <laughs> so I just, I just called the front desk, say, Hey, can I speak to the owners? They say, what is regarding to? I say, it's personal, but I can ensure you they want to talk with me. And I can't remember exactly what, what, how I found my way there, but I was able to call to people always interested. My, my, my gift somewhere is this deep, thick French accent. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably what get me through the door because <laughs> even if I was mumbling something, the person on the phone didn't understand a thing <laughs> and told to the owner, you probably want to talk to that guy. <laughs> <laughs> So that's probably how I did it more than, you know, having a, 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 a fun speech. And just after, I'm kind of pretty, you know, like what you see. So I just say, hey, I want, there is no turning around, say, oh, I love you, be there. Say, hey, do you want to sell your business? <laughs> that's literally how I presented to, uh, to the previous owner of Visiting Angels. Say, hey, uh, my name is Jerome. I used to be a business broker. I always wanted to be in that field. I would like to buy your business. Would you be open to sell it? And the, the, the guy said, well, actually, there is never a good time to sell. I was expecting to sell in one or two years, but we can have that conversation. And that's it. So on a, on a three or four, I, 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 in Ashley's days, was not a lot of time on a three or four I called. Uh, uh, one didn't want to sell because she just bought it. The other one uh, wanted to keep the business for her kids. Uh, she had several already. Uh, it's another franchise. Slightly different than Visiting Angels, because at Visiting Angels, we just do home care. And the guys from Visiting Angels. Mm -hmm. So that's it. Listeners of Acquiring Minds know that for almost any business you acquire, its success comes down to the people and how you develop and manage them as their new leader. Thing is, in addition to management, there is also a lot of process and bureaucratic work when it comes to your new employees. Payroll, compliance, HR technology, hiring, to name but a few. These processes are crucial to get right, but at the same time distract from where you want to be putting your energy, in leadership. So, Aspen HR is an HR firm and PEO that takes this work off your plate and handles it with the care it demands. Aspen is owned and run by Mark Sinatra, himself a successful former searcher, so Aspen's own leadership understands the HR challenges that searchers have post-acquisition. The firm is offering Acquiring Minds listeners a complimentary pre-acquisition HR and PEO review for your target business. 
Check out AspenHR.com or contact Mark directly at Mark at AspenHR.com. Great. And what was the next step? Did you take did you take this gentleman to to lunch or to talk us through the, he took the me conversations? For lunch. <laughs> right. That's how it <laughs> we went go. with my wife. Uh, I mean, we we met with both wives uh, uh, because the, his wife was helping in operating the business, and my wife was say, "Well, I can help you uh, at the beginning. I don't want to do that all my life, but I can help you at the beginning." So we went for lunch together, and we kind of start talking around, you know, what it looks like, uh, what we need to do. There was also from him educating me about, you know, what it is to call, to buy a franchise, that you need to talk to the franchisor, you need to vet you, you need to have the right background, you know, the thing. For me, it was very new, the franchise area. It's, it's basically you have to be vetted, pass a test, and talk with, I don't know, people at the, at the franchise level, but I must say that the folks in visiting agents were very, very easy to, to talk with and make that happen pretty quickly. And did you have any particular bias about franchises? Like you didn't want it or wanted no. it or you were you were you no. were just kind of pretty open? Actually I I was I was open. I know that there's a lot of talk, hey franchises, why you want to pay a fee or something like that, but only man, if you want to be in a service industry, you want to have a brand which is recognized by everyone. Okay? And you with your little pocket cannot make that happen at you know at the state of Western North Carolina or the North Korean Mountain where is my other franchise. So buying in someone who have a national recognized name is fantastic. Then after you look to, and we can talk more about franchising, but you have to look what they offer and the value for money at living as the franchise is called living assistant is just fantastic. So mm-hmm. actually I was, I was very lucky because I learned that from other franchisors in our industry, that they have a more straight jacket than hers. So, uh. Yeah, and we are going to get into to more of that and and how you perceive the visiting angels franchise, why it's so valuable to you. Okay, and so you have you you and and your respective wives go to lunch, and you're feeling each other out. The yeah. rough terms of what it what it would feel like to buy this are are yeah. coming together in a few conversations, and the deal just evolves and eventually. Yeah, sign no end. Yeah, I, I, we both signed NDAs and it starts sharing exactly what the number was looking like, what it experienced, what was the difficulty of the business, where was the business before, where you think it should be. Uh, it was, it was a, it used to be in a, in a pharmaceutical industry, uh, quite high up in one of those Pfizer kind of thing there. So, uh, it was a very process oriented guy. But yeah, so we, we just talked about it and, he come up with a number. I say I don't agree. I came with a different number, but I was I was pretty generous in terms of uh, tell me my offer. Two reasons. Um, one at the time there was a only a numerous closest. You know there was only a certain number of franchise for home care that was allowed in the state of North Carolina. They took that cap, mm-hmm. so the valuation, so to speak, went down. So there was that element, and the territory is up. The guy we started the franchise here in Asheville was an army ranger, and he know how to read maps, so he's done a good job of you know carving out a nice territory. Uh, so that there is, I mean, I I could do much more than what I'm doing now. A uh, bit frustrated not to be there, but I can do much more than what I'm doing now. Uh, so it's so I pay a bit. Yeah, I pay. Yeah, I pay him a good price, mm-hmm. but you know, at the end of the day, you can always try to penny counter something. But when there is an opportunity, what is it for you? What is it worth for you? I mean, at the time, I had no job, no revenue. Well, certainly, any kind of opportunity where there's a cap uh, on the supply, and you're buying into that capped supply, so you're going to be one of. It's basically a regulated. You're, you know, there's regulatory capture yeah. in a way, and you're and you're being able to participate in that. That's worth something. Now, sadly for you, I guess that <laughs> that that went away in a, a little bit a little bit later. But you yeah. seem to be doing just fine. Thank you very much. So, Jerome, can you share any of the numbers around the size of the business or the the deal and or the deal? Yeah. Well, I I I uh, body was around I think half a million dollar a year. Uh, we are both uh, the million dollar map for this year. 
it was at half a million dollars in revenue when you acquired it, and it, now it's yeah. over a million. Yeah. Okay. And it was tw- 2018. It was 2018 when you acquired it? 20, yeah, I bought it for in December. I mean, for my 50th birthday, so December 31st. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I don't know if it's 2017 or 2000, a beginning of 2018 or end of 2017. So yes. Uh, and I, I just uh, saw a post on LinkedIn that, that uh, where people say, hey, when you buy a business, there's a deep. And yeah. Yeah, they had a, they had a huge customer. That was a 24-7 case. Uh, we call that well. In our industry, we call them well customer because they're just a big chunk of money. Mm-hmm. And I I was not comfortable with this because it was representing probably 20 or 25% of the revenue of the business. So in a way I bought the business, I, I didn't add any bank financing. Okay, the seller uh, issue notes and the rest I bought cash. Um, and in the financing, in the notes, there was a, a, some provision in place that customer disappear before three months or six months. And uh, once I was, uh, after a year when I was comfortable with the business and there was no, you know, hidden thing like that, I just, I just paid back the, the, the note time. Not a big fan of credit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't like to owe money. Uh, so I change a bit. <laughs> when you want to go bigger, you have to change. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but at the beginning, I just, I just, yeah, we, we self-finance it, uh, a lot of it. And, but multiple was probably in a high threes, uh, or mid three, uh, three and a half probably. Uh, and that's it. So we, yeah, I was the first six months. I was, uh, you know, if you sit in front of us, Hose and you get hose down. Mm-hmm. That's how I felt for six months. Drinking from the fire hose. <laughs> Drinking from the <laughs> fire hose. <laughs> yes, yes. That was that was that was a jolly. <laughs> well, let, well, let's let's hear about that, Jerome. So you 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 recognized you were buying a job. Um. So t- talk to us about what the the first, I guess, six months, but also year or two in the business. From our pre call, I recall that you were very much working in the business for a while and it took yes. some time to figure out how to smooth out the operation so that you could extract yourself which is where you are now so let's kind of get into that progression what talk to talk to us more about that that fire hose in the first six months yeah so first you have to know that um i am a bit of a con- i was i am still but i was a bit of a control freak so <laughs> If you are a control freak and don't want to change, do not buy home care business. <laughs> okay. Because I used to be in finance, you know, you buy bonds and they behave the way it's supposed to behave and pay you back the way it's supposed to behave normally, right? Here in business, in home care, it's not the case. It's just like people who buy business, when you walk into the office, you never know what's going to happen. In home care, it's particularly true. Uh, so the first six months was learning the schedule, learning the caregiver, learning the customer, how to hire people. Uh, I mean, signing up customer at the time we were going in people's house and, you know, explaining what we were doing. And, you know, it's, it's a very, very lengthy process. So that was not very efficient. I think COVID changed things for the best, uh, personally, but uh, in terms of the way people react now to uh, technology. But at the time, it was pretty much, and the business was run, uh, yeah, it was not run as I, we run it now. It was more a lot of paper, a lot of, you know, the, the, the seller had the old scheduling software that was not even supported by the business anymore. So, so and holds a little thing about, you know, the state regulation when it's come to home care, the state regulation when it's come to payrolls, the uh, federal regulation. So there was a lot. Uh, and my wife and I was, my wife was doing the schedule and we're trying to learn how to do it. And that was her, myself and, and an assistant. The owner stayed for a while. He stayed probably up to three months. And then because I was not at the time a director, uh, I had the previous owner stay as a interim director or consultant for a year, which was great because that sometime when I have question or, or issue, I can always talk to her, say, Hey, how did you deal with that in the past? And thing like that, because. Sometimes your stories, that's, that's pretty funny. I mean, there is a story that I can't say on, on air right now, but <laughs> there, there is some, probably someone can write a book because we all face with the same thing uh, when you deal with people. Uh, <laughs> and so, generally funny. 
but uh, yeah. So well, that- well, Jerome, actually, you don't maybe if this particular story is one you can't tell. Although I'd love for you to. We're going to spend some time here learning about the home care business because we hear about it a lot. Um, do give us uh, a story or two or an example or two about some of the craziness that can happen in this world. Paint, paint a picture so people can really get a feel for this business. I I, I can give you a story of the beauty of it. Uh, because yeah. there, there, okay. are, there are some beauty of it. Um, one of my, uh, we have caregivers from all ages, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, one of my caregivers is 81 years old. So she's, wow. yes, she's basically older than some of the customer. <laughs> yeah. she, she works for us, I don't know, 25 or 30 hours. Then she volunteer on a plenty of charity on a Saturday, on a Friday, on a Sunday, or... I don't know how she finds time for herself, but she's an amazing, <laughs> she's an amazing caregiver. When we hire her, she had the flip phone. So, and, and we all walks out from an app. So flip phone and app doesn't really work. And I tell her, Nancy, you know, you probably want to get a, a smartphone. If you, oh, okay. So she basically went to buy a smartphone and come back two days later, say, show me how it works and 81 years old and pick up how to use a smartphone and an app. So that's already genius. I love her for that. Yeah. I, and, yeah, but yeah. the other day, she, I mean, she was taking care of a gentleman and he was a veteran because you do, we do service veterans and that's also, uh, uh, I don't know, an unbelievable story about that, but uh, the guy was a veteran and uh, she took a good care of him and the family loved her for, you know, helping the veteran and uh, the veteran was very sick and he was expecting her, I think her granddaughters that arrived. I do believe they gave her the name of the caregivers. They gave her the name of Nancy. The baby was named Nancy after the caregiver because they loved the caregiver wow. so much. So that's already fantastic. Wow. And um, yeah. she came back to the office and she got me cry. I never cry. She said, Jerome, <laughs> I want you to show you something. And she pulled her phone. Uh, there was a picture there. The, the veteran passed away. Uh, and he basically was a picture. Uh, her bishop told her to show us the picture. So she went to say, my bishop told me that I need to show you a picture. So, okay, what's a mm. picture of that? I was intrigued. And it was mm. a picture of that gentleman uh, looking face to a newborn baby. And the story is waiting mm. for a newborn baby to come and he passed away two hours after. Wow. Wow. That's, that's, that's amazing. That's the beauty of our industry. So it's you so have powerful. people like that who say, well, it's, it's come to the why that we talked about. Why are you there? When I have that, I know why I'm here, to facilitate that love and compassion. And we're going to talk more about that. Um, but actually, Jerome, that reminds me. So when you first arrived in Asheville and decided that this was the type of business that you wanted to acquire, was it because you were motivated by some sort of emotional why or yeah, was it kind of I, purely a, a business decision? No, I think, I mean, from what I saw around me, everyone who's in that industry, involved in that industry, has a why. Okay, there is a reason why the imperfect people or people who are bedridden like that. I lost my mom when I was 30 years old from uh, uh, cancer and I saw my dad taking care of her and how hard he was to, you know, as a family member take, a, of, take care of a loved one. So that was, that's my why. And then in the business decision, it's, it's I mean, being in, the, in that segment of the market, it's, you know, you, you have, I don't have any issue having customer normally. I mean, we, we have more and more people uh, growing older and wanting to stay at home too. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so the problem in that business is not to get the customer. Uh, so that's mm-hmm. also for me, uh, being an ex-bond fund manager, it was, a, you know, it's kind of buying a bond, basically. I know I'm going to have customer, okay? Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. difficulty I found out uh, after probably the first three months is in the business is uh, I need to find caregiver. <laughs> so when I bought the business, I say, oh, that's fine. I'm going to, you know, we haven't done that on the segment of customer. And I can, and after three months, I say, no, I get it completely wrong. <laughs> The key is to find the caregiver and keeps him, not not to find customers. So. And did your seller not communicate that, or maybe you hadn't told him? Or yes, but you know, it's it's always you know you you listen to someone, but you kind of if you're an entrepreneur, you kind of be of an alpha male somewhere, or you know, a know it all. 
So mm-hmm. you listen and say, yeah, yeah, yeah. But <laughs> yeah, he probably communicated to me, but I was not listening. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. so, but I found, I found out very quickly that in that business, this, we have two types of customer. We have the person who want to stay longer at home as possible, safely. And we have our employee, yeah, our customer too. Well, in our pre-call, you said that, and, I, and that really stayed with me, that that was kind of an epiphany for you, that yes, you, you stopped seeing your caregivers as your staff, as your employees, which they are, technically, of course, but you start, started seeing them as customers as well, um, because hiring and retention is the big bottleneck, is the big challenge in this business. Um, and so when that shifted in your mind to seeing the caregivers your caregivers as your quote unquote customers as well. How did that change your behavior as their employer? I didn't really change my behavior uh, because I'm, I was never, I mean, the way I run my office is a very fast structure. Uh, my office people can call me out if I don't do thing I'm supposed to do. I push them to do it because we all, you know, it's kind of a, all on the same boat somewhere. So I need to show example. Even if I don't do something, I need. They don't dare really do it, but I would like them to do it more because I have no issue with that. <laughs> and for my caregiver, I always, you know, when you hear the story of Nancy, I have a lot of respect for what they do. I, I could not do it. Uh, I was in a couple of times in a situation when I had to, you know, uh, be there for safety for a customer waiting for the caregiver to arrive. And <laughs> once it was, a, it was an elderly lady that had Alzheimer and it was in the morning and I, I was <laughs> praying uh, Praying all my heart that she doesn't wake up. Basically, <laughs> mm-hmm. might have been surprised. So no, I think what what happened is is actually make me realize that the way we were addressing our caregiver needs were not completely addressed, and we needed to. And that's very recent. We we changed the whole paradigm a few months ago. So we decided, and I don't want to enter into details, to have a different way of looking at our caregiver and explaining what we do to them and how we treat them and things like that. So there is a whole, put a whole package and we, I'm looking right now to see how it works and if we're able to have retention. Uh, I know that we are one of the good agents in town in terms of uh, revenue, but people will not leave you because of the money. People will leave you because you don't respect them, you yell at them, you don't give them opportunity to grow. Uh, for growth, you don't you don't offer stuff that you could offer easily. So, uh, I mean, one of the first things I did when I joined the business is uh, I put all my caregiver on Aflac, and instead of you know Aflac, normally you pay fifty percent, and they pay fifty percent. I pay hundred percent of it. Period. Mm-hmm. It's not a question of cost. It's, it's a, and I don't want to start a debate on healthcare in the US. <laughs> But I think that was at least the minimum I can do for my caregivers. So I gave them pay time off and I gave them a, a, a flag, 100% payable. Uh, mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it doesn't make you, it doesn't necessarily, they don't necessarily realize uh, what the gift it is, but I can tell you that I have two caregivers that was not able to work and both of them get a nice check from Aflac and they realize after the gift it was because one of them get a check of $4,000 and another one $8,000 because they were out of work wow. for, I don't know, four or six months. I paid them half like 100%, so it didn't cost them anything. And so, J- Jerome, for people who don't know, tell tell them what J- Aflac is? Aflac is a, is a, I think they call it a cafeteria plan, so it's a supplementary healthcare that you can pay for your employee. Aflac, or you have colonial life, or you have or plenty of things that are dedicated to small business, where you give them, you know, kind of a, a package of, you know, if they injure outside of work, and they can get a certain number of. Because in our industry, our caregiver, our employee, are not full time. Okay, we don't guarantee hours. So um, because of that, we don't necessarily have the same package that big box company offer. Aflac is basically there for uh, you can uh, life insurance, uh, accident insurance. Uh, there is a couple of things that you can pay for for you. And they, if they want to have some staff themselves, they have access to it at a very very uh, low price. I think I've got a, a caregiver who bought a life insurance. I think it's a twenty. I can't remember if it's 
10,000 or 20,000, something up at the time. She paid $5 a month or $5, $10 a month mm -hmm. for it, so it's nothing. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's not healthcare, uh, but it's, it can help from time to time. That's great, Jerome. Thank you for that. And going back to the retention of, of caregivers in, in this industry, it's a industry with a strong why. Most people operating in this business have a strong why. Um, as you said, you know, may, many of them ha have had a family situation where they've seen the power of home care or the need for it when it wasn't there. And so they're motivated by a why much less so than money. Um, it, it, I would think my, kind of intuitively, if, if folks are motivated by doing the work rather than money, they'd actually be easier to retain, not harder. Why, why do you find that, why is it that not the case? Well, the people we, we hire still need to make a living, okay? Mm. Uh, I mean, mm -hmm. we have several kind of, we have segment, several kind of segments of caregiver, okay? Some of them are, I mean, some of them are retirees and they are bored and they want to give back. I mean, we have one of our caregivers is a, a retired pediatrician MD. Uh, she just do caregiving and I ask her why and say, well, it's, it's, it's paid for my mission trip. I, the money I won't gain, I give it for the mission trip. You have people who have been working in that industry for many years and, you know, they're they can't do, uh, they can't work in facility anymore because sometimes facility, it's a lot of hours, but it's hard work and it's hard on the back and the body. So they come in home care where we're not supposed to leave more than 25, I mean, for me, not more than 25 pounds. And they kind of, you know, it's supplemental revenue for when they retire. So we have there uh, some nurses, some retire activity director from nursing, something like that. And those guys know how to handle customer and other people. They are in, the street, in that industry because that talk to them often because they took care of an elderly when they were younger or took care of their mother and, and basically fell in love with it. But they still need to make a living or extra money. So they, and you know, why work for me at 10 bucks if they can work for the other at 13? So we still need to be competitive, right? So, mm -hmm. so there is that element there. And, and then after you have single moms that, or moms that, you know, need to take care of the kids and pick them up after three or, you know, kids call out because the school can have him because he's coughing or just COVID. Well, we, you can't work in a regular facility with this kind of people because you get terminated. But in home care, we offer that, I mean, for me, for my business, I offer that flexibility of, you know, if you sometimes, not good, but if you sometimes have to call out, we understand and we can work with you. Uh, so mm -hmm. it's not only people are not, People are motivated by money because they need to pay the gas and the thing, but it's a two together, which is important. When you have people who are just there for the money, I don't know for other agencies, but with me, they don't stay long. One of the, the characteristics of this business, too, that you're making clear is the scheduling is a big part of it. You, any home care agency, they have a full-time person, as I understand it, if not more, devoted just to scheduling. Mm -hmm. And the nature of the work, you said, at least in your case, your employees are not full-time. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and so there's flexibility there, but it's also on the other side for your customers, your, your true, your, your actual customers, the, the folks receiving the care, they also all have different needs, right? So somebody might need three hours every Monday, whereas somebody else needs five hours every day sort of thing. And so you're always playing Tetris with these, with these schedules to, to match your supply with their demand, right? Yes, it's a Tetris. <laughs> it's Tetris, exactly. You need to practice Tetris first before doing scheduling. <laughs> it's a good one, yes. It's a well, well, another meta let me use your metaphor that you said to me pre-call, uh, which I thought was good. It, it's also a train that never stops running. So there's never a pause because people have care needs. People's care needs never stop. So it's not like at five o'clock, everybody goes home. The scheduling um, challenge is just persistent and there's no pause, no, no respite. No, no. It's, uh, I mean, when, when you talk about, you asked me the question about working in the business and how I get out uh, and I can revert back to that. My wife done the scheduling for, I don't know how many uh, months or year. And, and I don't know how she did it. <laughs> uh, I did it six months and uh, I met a 
Larry, which is the owner of and creator of the, our brand, Visiting Angels, our living assistant, and he's a fantastic leader, fantastic person. And he said, you look at me, say, Jerome, who's doing the scheduling? He said, me. And kind of look at me, say, you're crazy or what? <laughs> so, so I said, you think I should get a schedule? I said, yeah. <laughs> and actually, I, it's helped me to, you know, step out. I learned a lot of things doing scheduling. Uh, back to one of your previous interview, it's probably important to do what, especially in small business, to be very hands-on at the beginning, because you can call BS when people are, you know, not doing what they're supposed to do. Say, ah, oh, you've you've been there before, so you know exactly what happened. And scheduling is probably one of the most important function uh, in our in our business. So yes, it's uh, so I bought a, a scheduler and and actually pay for very quickly. So I didn't. It's it's part of the thing is sometimes it's difficult. Uh, and that was one of my tech at the beginning is I was trying to sit on my purse. You know, I didn't want to spend too much. And I was, you know, uh, I was afraid to spend money and not having money at the end of the month for the belt and things like that. So kind of in fear and fear is never, you need to be fearless. And, uh, I, I probably, uh, could have done better if I was more, uh, investing more in my business and trusting more in my guts and, and in my, and in the brand. So, um, uh, good advice for everyone. Don't, don't, don't have tight purse. Uh, I try to short, I mean, same thing for my team. I, I pay people, but I didn't want them to pay too much. And I was trying to, you know, penny pinch. And at the end of the day, that's a very bad calculation because I have now a team in Nashville. I touch wood because you never know, but uh, for the last, for the last year, I, I, I was more careful, more careful hiring. I spent a month doing three jobs at the same time. I had no one in the office but me, and I was doing everything <laughs> uh, because I didn't want to hire the, the wrong people because I've done it in the past many times, two or three times I hired the right, wrong people. I, I basically didn't listen to myself and I just need, I hire anyone and I, that will do and I will train that person. That's not true. That's not how it works. So, I hire first my office manager, who's become my office assistant that's now an office manager. And when we wanted to hire a new scheduler, because when she joined, there was a scheduler there, we sit down and we just visualize what is the scheduler that we want? What is the experience she wants? What is the female, is the male? You know, kind of getting a general idea of a good picture of what that person looked like. And we found out scheduler can, like that. And she's been with us since and doing great also as well. Well, Jerome, so it sounds like you you went from being really hesitant to hiring anybody, resistant to hiring anybody because you were overly frugal and and as you said you're a control freak, a micromanager, to then once you opened and, oh and by the way, the metaphor what was the 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 expression sitting on your purse? That's yes. a French idiom. <laughs> I don't know what That's it is, but or tight purse or whatever. <laughs> oh, yes. Okay. Well, I, I like sitting on your purse. Uh, <laughs> that works. So you're sitting on your purse, you're not wanting to spend any money, you're micromanaging, and then you realize that this is madness and you, you're open to hiring people. And then it sounds like you kind of went through some hires where you had hired too quickly, not selectively enough, not wisely enough. Mm -hmm. And so you kind of compensated in the wrong direction. And then now you've settled back into a good place where you guys got a little bit more refined in your hiring process and more selective and more patient. And then that was the sweet spot. And now and, you've got and, yes. really good people in and, there. And this is one of the reasons you need to know how to do their job because the day they yeah. leave, you can do it. It won't, it won't be funny, but the people can leave you in, in, you know, in a day. Say, I'm done, thank you. It's happened to me with the other location at the beginning. Okay, so you have to do it yourself. So that's the reason why you need to know, have an idea of how to do it. I'm not just being, you know, coming from the top and I have no idea what's going on. On small businesses, bigger businesses is less of an issue, but small businesses, we always have a key person issue uh, all the time because we're not big enough. So uh, yeah, that's also one of the reasons why I bought a second franchise is to, to have kind, kind of, you know, trying to add a bigger team like that. I can piggyback on each other, which we did, uh, thankfully, when I had a couple of issues with a new location, my office manager, at my Asheville location was able to take some of the burden from me like that. I could focus on doing the scheduling there while looking for scheduling. Let's um, get up to speed. What does a 
mature office look like? So in Asheville, you're at over a million dollars. Tell us how many people are working in that business. And then I, and then I want to get into the numbers a little more, whatever you can share. So what does the people look like? Yeah, probably between, yeah, we probably have 30 or we all have W2 employees, not 1099. We probably have 30 or 40 on payroll. Some of them are not full-time. But the office admin team, there is, uh, there is office managers, there is, uh, there is our, our care coordinator slash scheduler. Uh, we have a part-time nurse. And I'm looking now high hiring probably a marketer, person to go in a community and market our services to, you know, rehab center, uh, hospital, thing like that. And I'm probably also as well will look at recruiting a person just specifically to hiring. And, you know, we have a couple of things up our sleeves that we want to develop. So uh, I'm going to splurge. I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to get poor, <laughs> uh, but I'm sure that it will pay for, I mean, it, it will pay for, I mean, it will pay. So I'm not, I'm not, I'm not stressed. And so, yes, and that's probably what we're going to do. So right now we have, yeah, and I have two, uh, two in a Lenore location too, which are an office manager and a care coordinator. Um, okay. But they have lo- a less number of hours, so they have a bit of free time for themselves. So I need to find, to find them stuff to do. And that's just because it's a smaller office. It used to be a bigger one, um, but uh, the owner uh, didn't drop the ball, but he had other issues, family and business-wise, and it basically was not as involved in the business as he was when he created it, because he created that business from, from the bottom up, which, I mean, I, I have a lot of respect for people who do startups. Uh, so uh, I basically bought it uh, not very, I mean, once again, I pay a certain price, probably higher than I should have, but, you know, it's a territory which is just adjacent to, my, to me, so... It's kind of a no-brainer for me to to expand there and create a platform because there is a bit of synergy between the two. So you now have these contiguous territories for visiting angels. That- yeah, and and I hear someone in your podcast say one day you need to wait a bit before buying your second business. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think there is a lot of wisdom in that. You know, like you you can do all the mistakes for the first one. Uh, I wanted to buy one last year. Uh, I missed it, uh, and I was four years in a business and. Our franchiser also asked us to reach out and milestone to be able to buy a second business, which also is, is very wise, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, like that to make sure that you have enough, you know, knowledge and a big enough office to be able to, to buy a second one and not get, you know, overwhelmed. Don't be a failure because at the end of the day, if you fail, they fail. So. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so, uh, when did you acquire Lenore? December 14, but I told the guy, you run the show that the previous owner, you run the show until uh, January 3rd because I, I, I vowed to my family and my kids that I will not spend another Christmas. In my <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so that was, that was for my 50, I'm going to turn 55. So, <laughs> so oh, it was, the, it was this past January. Yeah, yeah, yeah it yeah, was yeah, my yeah, 55th birthday. So, uh, I don't know. I might be, buy another one, but before my 60, probably. Jerome, can we get into a little bit of just the, the business numbers? So what do margins look like in a home care agency doing a million dollars a year? 10 to 15%. If you really run your show very well and very lean, you can probably achieve 20%. Uh, mm-hmm. It's all a question of size. Uh, uh, right now, we not where I want us to be, but I can probably... 20% will be achievable in the next two years. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just a question of volume. Uh, so, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 15 to 20% is probably the, the good, a good number there. Explain to us a little bit about the different types of, of home care, because there's tiers oh, and, yeah. and it's, I mean, there can be hospice, I think, in some cases, all the yes. way down to like no medical, like yeah. no, no medical care at all and everything in between. So how does that work? Yeah, so first, uh, you have agency who do Medicare and Medicare and agency who do not, okay? Um, when you do Medicare or Medicaid, uh, you have more uh, regulation. It's, I don't do it. I, I think for one territory, I would like to do it, but it's, it's more, there's more constraint in terms of, you know, the way you do things, okay? So that's the first thing. Then after, you have non-medical home care, so basically home care and what we call home health care, which is basically have a medical connotation, you know, like it's called 
it's like non-skilled and skilled, same thing, okay? Mm -hmm. We at Visiting Angels only focus on non-skilled. We only do non-medical home care, which is basically uh, uh, basing, dressing, transferring, mobility, uh, offering some transportation services, a medication reminder, laundry, light housekeeping, and, and a couple of other things, helping to dress and go to the bathroom and personal care and get clean and things like that. So that's what we do exclusively, okay? When I was looking to buy a business, you have other agency who do both, who do medical and non-medical, okay? And we, with Insight, I think the model to be more focused on one instead of two is probably much better. Even so, I understand that when you do both, you probably have synergies that work together also as well. But I, I'm more comfortable doing just non-medical and maybe, I don't know, maybe if I want to expand or do something else, I might buy just a medical agency because I will not be in a, I can, I could do that also as well. But so medical is basically uh, drawing blood, uh, wound dressing, cutting nails, uh, that's medical. I mean, there's, there's, so you basically need people who have more skill and more expensive, but you charge your services more, uh, but it's a for shorter period of time. So medical home, home health agency might come to give you showers. They probably will be there for 30 minutes or now max. Okay. Mm. Uh, a nurse might go there to help you with just dialysis or something like that, or you wouldn't care. The nurse will be there for 15 minutes, no more. Mm -hmm. Home care, we can, we can be there for a whole day, 24 seven need be day and night, okay? So it's a longer shift, but it's a lower cost. Even so, it's still costly, it's a lower cost. So that's how it works. And then after, aside that, you have uh, hospice care. So when people uh, get on hospice, it's basically they've been diagnosed with a terminal illness by a doctor who says they have only six months to live. So just for the people out there, it's not because you're in hospice, you're gonna die. I had customer who in hospice and was, went out of hospice. Okay, so it's mm. not a fatality. All right. Okay. okay. Uh, so you have hospice and you have, uh, I think that's one of the main ones probably that I know of. I'm pretty much in my, in my silos. So I don't really look at the rest of the industry, but that's what I understand. Great. I want to ask um, about growth and what a, a, a larger version of your business could look like. If somebody wanted to, grow to a $5 million, $10 million um, home care business, um, what, what would that look like? Do you, do you have to basically do that inorganically or are the tailwinds such that you could do that organically? Um, uh, yeah, let's I start there. You can do it organically. We have a, a lot of franchisees at Visit Angels that are around that size, uh, of $5 million, $6 million businesses. Mm -hmm. um, I think actually uh, Larry, with the, the branch, the, the brand owner is probably, I don't know what his number is, but it's probably very high, but he's in the city. But yes, you, you can grow it organically. Um, bigger than 10 million, ooh, that's going to be difficult because as a franchise, you have territory. So you probably will need to buy another territory to go to that side. But I think it's possible to, yeah. I know that there's one agency in my territory, one city was doing $1 million a year just on that small territory. And I've got three or four of them. So yeah, I can, yes. It's, it's all a question of finding the caregiver, but also having the right cultures. Because if you grow with, you know, no culture, then we're dead. So what I did the last four or five years, I put together a platform uh, with a lot of trial and error with tools that can help me grow very quickly. Okay. If you tell me two years ago, three years ago, can you hire 10 caregivers a week? We say, yes, but it's a lot of work, right? Now we can hire 10 caregivers a week very, very easily without any, without batting an eye. It's not mm -hmm. an issue anymore. Can you onboard six new customers a week? You told me that two years ago, I didn't have the organization for that. Now, mm -hmm. yes, I can do six. I can onboard six, 10 customer we send a nurse because in our state we have to send a nurse and everything else. Yes, I have, I have I'm organized in a way that we can do that. So now I have the platform. So mm -hmm. next step is to grow the platform and yeah, organically is probably what, what I want to do and what we do. And Jerome, assuming you can find the customers, mm -hmm. what capacity do you think you're, you're at? Like this platform that you've built, what, what capacity do you think it could support 
Oh, right now I'm nowhere to where I could be. Let's put it that way. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Okay. I'm nowhere. I mean, okay. I can't be at 10 million, but I think growing to two or three million dollars a year is, uh, to two or three million dollars is probably feasible uh, within the next mm -hmm. two to three years. Uh, then after it depends on, you know, plenty of things, you know, it's, I think it's Mike Tyson once they would say, uh, everyone has got a strategy and the, until they receive the first punch, right? So, <laughs> right. So <laughs> something can happen, you know, COVID was a wreck ball in our industry, but we all went up better and stronger after it. It, it reshapes the way we do business. So it's, it's some way it's, it's, a, it's not a blessing to have COVID, but it helped us, you know, it helped the people evolve also as well. So you don't, we don't know what, what can, you know, the fact that we had, you know, quarantine, it was detrimental to our business because we couldn't send the caregivers. It was unavailable. So we are losing hours. So there was impact of COVID. So it was not all, all easy, but yeah, I mean, the, the business, yeah, it's, it's a good business uh, if you have a strong why. And I'm not a control freak. And in terms of the capacity that, or, or the, the market, the addressable market for a home care agency, does it correlate basically to the population center? So Asheville is a small city or, or, or does visiting angels like in the middle of, you know, DC, the DC metro area, there's just, I mean, do they allocate um, territories based on population or based yes. on actual based on population. Based on population. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I think it's based, if I remember, they base it on population and possible referral sources, doctors, hospital, uh, a short-term, short, a rehab facility, all those kind of things. I don't know what the recipe is in terms of, and it's probably a question for them, but I mean, yeah. what I like with them, it, it, uh, people say franchise is a straight jacket, but what I like with Visiting Angels is when and I listen to people or talk to people who have other brand. We have a good amount of liberty inside the jacket to, you have enough liberty inside the jacket to have fun. Okay. It's not, mm -hmm. it's not mm -hmm. the army there. Or, I mean, uh, maybe the army is fun too. I've never been in the army. But, uh, <laughs> uh, it's what we say in France. It's okay. It's not very mm -hmm. strict. And, and there is things that you need to do. And, and, but they are, they are a wise, they are wise decision taking by uh, our franchisor in terms of the thing we need to do. I think they make very, I mean, from a business standpoint, point of view, it's, it make a lot of sense. Like you have, for example, an obligation to spend on SEO and things like that, but that makes sense. You know, it's not something that they, sure. force, they force you to do it, but some way they don't force you because if you don't do SEO, you're not going to go anywhere anyhow. And it's not just about the straight jacket when you're considering a franchise, um, a franchise network. It's also about the royalties you're paying and are they delivering value to you? Yes, yes. And it sounds and like you, you touched on this earlier. You feel like your, your oh, franchise yeah. I mean, provides that, a lot of value. We have an intranet. And man, I mean, there is so much value there. I mean, I mean, there is stuff that I didn't need that, you know, if you were a starter at Visiting Angels, I mean, it's all right. It's plug and play. <laughs> mm. They basically map out everything. You just, you know, choose to apply the book and, and it's fantastic the amount of of intellectual uh, properties that it put in that. And we have an intern, in, in, it's called intranet, and there is so many documents and uh, how to do a marketing plan or what to do USU or which vendor you can tab who have, who have been vetted by head office to help you with A, B, Z, you know? So how to uh, train your caregiver, how to, I mean, it, it's, it's just, it's huge, huge. What mm -hmm. the, the amount of, of data that they furnish is, yeah, it's good value for money. And, and the brand is one of the strongest brands in that field in the US. So it's also, it's what we buy. At the end of the day, your business is going to do between 10 and 20% bottom line, whether it's a franchise or not. Because what you mm -hmm. don't spend, what you spend on franchising fee, you're going to have to spend it to make yourself known in the community. So you will need to spend more in marketing that was a franchise because the market for you. Right. I think I think people often overlook, they think of the franchise, the license fee is just a tax. But in, 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 if it's a good franchise or that money that you're spend, paying them, you would be paying yeah. otherwise in doing the services for yourself yeah. that the franchisor is providing to you, hopefully at an even better value. For example, they ask you to commit to a certain you know, event that you need to go and things like that. It's not five times a year, but 
makes sense because you meet other franchisor, franchisee and you can, you know, share and discuss what's working with them. So it's also, it's also a good system where <clears throat> you're not alone in your little ivory tour, tower mm -hmm. and you can talk and speak with those people who basically have the same issues and you would say, oh, we did that, we did that, mm -hmm. we did that. So it's a, it's a, it's a community also. And uh, as I said, there seems to be quite a bit of interest in this type of business among people buying businesses and also from private equity. So from larger, better capitalized players. Are you, do you see that as well? Is that something that's talked about from inside this industry? Uh, not, I mean... I heard it, I read it. I think one of our competitors have been bought by private equity. Uh, I don't know what, what's going to happen with visiting angels. I don't think that they want to do that. I don't think that the owner would like to do that. So it's, it's up to him. At the end of the day, even if a private equity buys a brand, they will make sure that we on the ground are happy with them. So it's, it's not like, the franchisor is a boss and we are employee, right? It, it, it's a, it's a, it's like a, it's a wedding, mm. you know, it's, it's like any partnership, you know, you, you, they think you don't like and they think you like and you just have to go with the flow and if you're not happy, you sell your business and do something else. Mm. So, yeah, so private equity, I heard family office also as well, were present in, in that field. Um, uh, you need to have a very good operator to do that. You really need to have someone who, knows the field, knows the volatility of the, the, the employee because we have, it's like the restaurant business. We have a high rate of, you know, people coming and leaving. Uh, so yeah, uh, the, on the paper, it's a good industry to be with, but you really need to have good operator to do that. Well, actually, let me ask that uh, a little bit, Jerome. For, let's say in your case, say you, you know, you've gotten Asheville to the point where you, it's kind of running it itself. You, you know, it's, mm -hmm. I don't want to call, I don't want to say the P word passive, but it's kind of running itself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and, you know, then Lenore, you'll get it there. Maybe you have another couple of, uh, uh, maybe you buy another mm -hmm. territory or two and you get them each to two, three million. That seems realistic. Mm -hmm. You say you're now you're at 10, 15 million across three or four territories. And at some point you want to, let's say, step out of the business altogether. Um, what does a, an operator look like to, to do this? Uh, a, a really a strategic operator, not just somebody who is under, you know, doing the scheduling and doing the hiring, but somebody who, who you would really feel comfortable moving back to Destin and giving them the business to run while you, you retain your ownership of the business. What is that, what is that per, paint a picture of that strategic operator? And it's a question that uh, I'm going to address this Friday with a, a person who let me with a business because that's actually uh, the question that I have. Uh, and he asked me, uh, why do you want someone? I mean, you know, you just integrate Lenore, so it should be easier. But I think it's someone who understands the industry. It's someone which is very, very good with administrative. I'm, I'm crap at administrative. <laughs> that's not... You know, it, it, uh, Ask me to fill the paperwork, taxing like that. I just have, ah, ah. <laughs> <laughs> I basically have, I can't do it. <laughs> right. So my wife is very good at it. So we very, very complement each other on that. But uh, administratively, someone who is strong, we can, I never been a, a guy who like to have follow process and thing like that. You know, uh, I think I read the book Traction and I say, that's it. That's exactly what I need. <laughs> you know? mm. I'm happy to do business development, to have the vision, to talk with other people guys and try to see things and put the vision and, and we have a strong vision in our I design a whole vision we design a whole vision and we want to be the best agent to work for in our territory that's a very strong statement that we're making uh, and we we work with with three big values which are I mean integrity communication and professionalism that's really the, how we control our decision so someone who can understand my vision there to be the best agency to work for in my territory I want my caregiver to say hey don't go anywhere else. Go work with the angels as the best in town. Mm -hmm. Because if I have the best caregivers and I've got the best customer, and then having that person who can basically do the day-to-day -day operation, you know, uh, customer consultation, you know, workers' comp, we are just a, a, an, an angel a caregiver today. There's plenty of little things every day in the office that you need to you know, tick the boxes. 
And I'm not good at ticking boxes. I'm good at doing lists, but I'm not good at following them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. so basically, someone I can do a list for and hand it over and say, hey, <laughs> mm -hmm. here's your week. Mm -hmm. So yeah, and someone will basically also want to be part of the adventure to, to grow something big because we really have right now, I really have some two agencies that can be much, much bigger than what they are. So it's basically probably sharing also as well part of that growth. Mm -hmm. Great, Jerome. Last question. Since you've started this adventure in the home care space, um, what muscles would you say you've developed and what muscles would you say have atrophied? Uh, the desire for control is smaller than it used to be. Not because I want it, but because I can't. <laughs> so, so that's a good one. Mm -hmm. uh, a listening skill is probably something that I develop. Uh, I'm trying to follow the process. I mean, visiting angels give you plenty of good tips as a franchisor, and I was not always listening, but now I'd rather, you know, one of the guys I talked to who was very successful business of visiting Andrew say it's very simple. We just do everything that head office, we call them head office, uh, uh, they show us that it works. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so and I think that's probably that, maybe more listening skill. Uh, and I learned not to fear anymore. Trust myself. And that was a big one. Because I didn't trust myself as a business owner. If you have told me five years ago, you're going to end up an agency and you have probably 60, 70 on probably. Wow. Me? Now it's just like, yeah, I want to grow bigger, but I want to have a business where people enjoy being there. Mm -hmm. That's important. And anything that you think may skill that you previously had that has, uh, not, that's not as strong anymore? Yes. Uh, very funny. Uh, I used to be good at looking at finance and spreadsheet and things like that. Not anymore. <laughs> I can I can still get into it, but I used to be like a geek in terms of hey, yeah. you can strong financial and that's like, now I'm not even I don't even <laughs> it's not that it bore me, it's just like if you send me another business to buy, I will probably dig into it but less intensively than the first one. Mm -hmm. Because you get, instead of going too much into details, you, you go, you know, when you run one or two business, you know, you go straight to the essentials. Mm. Mm. So that's probably something that I've developed more is that, you know, being able to go straight forward. Whether it's hiring person or making a decision right now, you know, I need to make a decision about my SEO spending on both agency and several people and at some point it's going to be okay what's essential and okay let's go so that's it. Jerome this has been great is there anything that I didn't ask that you would want to share with the audience well that's funny you're asking that question I always ask questions to people also as well <laughs> whether it's an interview or someone I talk to or I say always what is the question I have asked I haven't asked you that I should have asked you it's a good question right I don't know I, <laughs> yeah it's a very good question it's a good question too I, I don't know well, probably what's next and uh, the answer is I don't know as you say probably I don't know if I'm going to buy one or two more or if I'm going to buy something different or look for something different um, or there is a lot of uh, uncertainty uh, I'm actually looking at a couple of things too we we're going back and forth in my wife her, her parents get uh, not getting younger and they're in Europe so they're possibility that maybe we move to Europe, but it won't be now because... So there is a lot of things in Europe right now, so it's a, it's a bit more complicated, but uh, well, I need first to get those two puppies up and running very well. Well, here, here's a question for you, Jerome, because we asked this... I, we talked about this in the pre-call. You know, you the way you're talking about your business today, it seems like it's it's basically quite successful and you're really happy with this. But it, but those hard moments, particularly, you know, those first six months and then in learning how to do this business, learning how to schedule correctly, how to hire correctly, how to treat your your caregivers like customers, um, was actually quite challenging, really hard. And what I asked you was, would you do it, would you do this all over again? Like if you, you know, now what you knew then, would you would you go down this path? And I think you said 
no, but that your wife would say yes, or did I have do I have that backwards? But one of you was a no. The other way around. <laughs> My wife was a no. Okay. Okay. My wife was strong no. My wife was a strong no. For me, uh, I'm a yes. I think I think I'm where I'm supposed to be. Okay, being a control freak, I bought the business that helped me not being a control freak anymore, or less of a control freak anymore. So I bought my own medicine, so if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. you know, I, I bought something that take me out of my ways and, you know, destroy completely me and I would all over the place and help me reconstruct as a person and a business owner. So uh, I loved it for that. Mm -hmm. There is probably things I would do different, and uh, sitting on my purse would probably I would probably spend more quicker. Uh, I lost time there. I really lost time uh, in terms of you know how I should have done things, and because I was in fear, and you know when you're in fear you take that decision, and uh, I forgot that I was a guy who decide on a whim to go live in the U.S. or move from Destin to Asheville, just following the flow. So. I don't know. Uh, it's uh, if the if the flow happen again, I would be more following the flow, whatever it means. Mm -hmm. Okay, whether it's uh, home care, but I, I I look at other business. I look at uh, you know fencing company. Or when I was investing, I look at plenty of other businesses, a boat rental uh, management company. That uh, I always wanted to do something that has a meaning. And some of the employees that I have are here because the business has a meaning. They just don't want to be in a business, they want to be in a business that has a meaning. And yeah. Engineering good caregiver for mom and dad, it's, it has a meaning, basically. And we all very, very, at the office level, we're all very careful with what happened to our, we communicate on a regular basis to make sure that our caregiver does the right thing and customer will treat it. That's very important to me and to my staff too. They really, they know that and that's why they hire too. I'll close with one um, other little visual that you'd given me on our pre-call that this is the type of business where when people are wearing, your your caregivers are wearing their um, Visiting Angels t-shirts at the grocery store or whatever, people will come up to them and thank them for their service. Do I have that right? Yeah. I mean, I mean the whole healthcare industry, whether it's a nurse or PT, OT, uh, caregiver, CNAs. It's not an easy job, you know. You're going in people's homes. Sometimes you're not you you are wanted but not wanted because mom and dad need knows that they have to have a caregiver. They want to stay at home. If they don't, then the family will send them in nursing home. So there is that kind of so it's not easy and to take care of you know personal. I mean, cleaning someone. It's okay to clean. I mean, I have done the diaper for my for my kids, but for an elderly, it's not necessarily easy. So yeah. Yeah, I have a lot of respect for those guys. They're, they're really heroes. Jerome, thank you very much for coming on and sharing uh, this story. What uh, an adventure and an adventure with uh, real why and meaning behind it. Uh, beautiful stuff. Great to hear about this industry. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Will. Goodbye. <laughs>